0: Kill the rat. Curiosity. Kill the rat.
1: Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Curiosity Killed the Rat. My name is Matt. I am a science enthusiast. Before we jump into it, I just want to acknowledge that I am speaking from lands traditionally owned by the Biliyar Noongar people. I'm going to slide it on over to you. My fuck. I really need to start preparing the, um, the adjectives. I just kind of wing <laughs> My...
2: it illustrious co-host well, I was gonna say that's illustrious but
1: I've you I've used that one so I want to come I know up with, um... that's
2: why I predicted it because you're so <laughs> you're just so predictable everywhere um, um, yes think. I I'm gonna save you from this okay, Matt and fine. I'm gonna introduce myself because I think all of that was hilarious and you should absolutely keep it in all uh, right I'm I Kate just the other co-host of this show the other co-host the other host the co-host anyway for those of you who haven't listened to the show before, I am a scientist, the regular scientist of the show, um, but I am not going to be the main scientist or the main content provider of today's show. We are also joined by a guest who I'll introduce in a quick second, but first I'd like to acknowledge that both me and the guest, Mark, are recording from lands traditionally owned by the Wurundjeri people. So with that, Mark, hey, how are you? What you doing here? Why are you here? Justify your existence. Go. <laughs> welcome to the show oh. <laughs> straight on the hot oh. seat off we go yeah
3: um yeah i'm a mechanical engineer uh, my field is sort of uh thermodynamics so mm-hmm. how heat moves and i work in sort of uh simulating um buildings and how heat enters and leaves the building etc cetera, et cetera. Mm. literally in that yeah. moment then i just worked
1: out the etymology of thermodynamics literally just means heat moving that's i i, I i'm <laughs> yeah, disappointed yeah i am disappointed thermo. in myself for not Dynamics. putting that together because i'm a bit of an etymology nerd and yeah fucking yeah. thermodynamics
3: the the thermos do be dynamic um <laughs> <laughs> those
2: thermos do be dynamic
3: though <laughs> that's the nice thing about science you can sort of if you know a bit of latin you can just figure out what things mean yeah, yeah. see
2: no i studied latin in high school with the like i mean also because i was a massive roman history nerd and i i, I frost that shit and it was great but big part of me was like, when I grow up, I'm either going to be like a lawyer or a doctor or like <laughs> a scientist. Right. Like I was, I was one of those kids mm. and I was like, I should do Latin as my second language in high school, because then it'll put me ahead when I'm learning medical terms or whatever. And I can just like, I just know it hasn't worked. I <laughs> studied Latin for years and it did not help me in my undergrad, like biomed subjects. Um, so that's a lie. Anyway, that's my story about Latin. I like it
3: feels it. like you, it's like, oh yeah, you can figure out what things mean if you just know Latin and Greek. And it's like, oh, okay, that's, that's neat. Or we could or, just say them in English.
2: What actually happens though, I find I get this like uncanny valley effect where like the word is similar enough, mm. but different enough that I'm just confused. Mm. Like it's like, that's vaguely reminiscent of this word, but also it's not quite enough. Mm-hmm. And so I can't figure out. Like my brain, I don't know. Maybe I find like you can sort of
1: work out the common ancestor if you just know another Latin derived language. Like, you know, I learnt French. And I learned mm. English and I, I remember Italian fuck all Spanish. French, but anytime I notice a similarity between English and French, I'm like, okay, so they probably, that word shares its root in Latin things. And anything in English mm. that isn't shared with French, you can probably just assume, oh, that's probably more Germanic in origin. And you can kind mm. of just piece that stuff together without actually having to know the Latin. And then if you want to learn the Latin, half the time what I'll do, I'll just be like, word X, etymology on Google. And then I'll have mm. the whole history yeah. of the word yes, right Google. there. So. I wouldn't need to go to uni for three years to learn a dead language. You know, it's it's a Google search. <laughs> anyway,
2: welcome to Curiosity Killed the Rat. We are now an etymology show. Uh, oh my God, that is my dream, specialist.
1: Kate. You don't understand. <laughs>
2: <laughs> oh no! Oh no! Okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna steer us back away before we land right into Matt's fantasy oh,
1: no. world. Had more to go this on.
3: This
2: is that, my. Oh, you've got more. No, no, this should, is my show and it's a line. science show. <laughs> I want to talk about science, guys. That's all right. If we're talking uh, thermodynamics,
1: it means we're moving into physics, which is still more my court than yours. Anyway, yeah, so I'll yeah, take
2: it. you'll you'll yeah you'll get into this. I have absolutely no doubt. All right, so. Aside from the etymology of the mm. word thermodynamics, <laughs> what, yeah. do you, what do you want to talk to us about so today? Like, where are we going with this?
3: I believe that r- the refrigeration cycle, yeah, how fridges work, mm-hmm. is like, it's very easy to take it for granted. You know, you're most the vast majority of people have a fridge in their house. Mm-hmm. Uh,
2: I do have a fridge in my house, I can confirm.
3: Yeah, so it's a very standard thing. It's very familiar with all grown-up fridges. But the refrigeration cycle is fucking wild to me mm-hmm. it's like on paper it's not very complicated but it mm-hmm. relies on sort of what feels like a bug in the physics engine of our world okay that that little bug discovering that bug opened up refrigeration and changed like how every human has interacted with like heat transfer mm-hmm. throughout all of history mm-hmm. that's a big call you throughout- are making there that's a yeah, that's a big call. it's
1: isn't it just you know <laughs> warm stuff make it around cold the cold absorb the warm now the warm is cold
3: Yeah well that's that's what uh, that's what it was for the most of history. like mm. sitting around a campfire, you're a fucking human in the natural environment a hundred thousand years ago mm. and the only way you have to transfer heat is by like putting hot things and cold things near each other. Mm. and there was no way to make things colder than the coldest thing you could find lying around. Yes. And changing that paradigm has opened the way to like modern food logistics. Yeah. I was going to say refrigeration
2: has changed human diet and like. The
3: structure of human society.
2: So much. For
3: yeah. 90% of human history, 90% for 99 point whatever percent of human history, 90% of people worked in agriculture. Mm. And how many people work working in agriculture nowadays as, you know, Less than 90%. Right.
2: uh, I don't know off the top of my head.
1: (laughs) Uh, But, yeah, especially when it comes to things like food storage, right, because the way we used to preserve food would either be through, like I think it was just salting it for the longest time and then it wasn't until Mm. relatively recently in history that we learned how to can stuff. Um,
3: Making it airtight. Making it airtight. Yeah, so for most of human history, I think it was basically people uh, stumbled across killing bacteria and shit mm. so smoking it or uh salting it things that would like stop things growing on it which is mm, the,
2: because that's ultimately what refrigeration does to yeah, a lot of food it puts anyway. it in it yeah stops the growth of bacteria that's gonna like or mold or whatever mm. like mm. it'll still it'll it, sorry it doesn't stop it it slows it.
3: it slows it yeah um but in a way that doesn't really change how the food uh like performs how it works mm, yeah. the whereas, whereas like salting like smoking changes canning the fermenting
1: yeah. even like where you have the mm. controlled bacterial breakdown of it as a way of preserving but you know kimchi tastes vastly different to raw cabbage mm, mm.
3: yeah 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 absolutely so um essentially there are so if you you know go to like a you know you go to uni you learn that there's sort of um three modes of heat transfer there's three kinds of different ways that heat transfers and there's sort of only two. One is a special case of the other. So you have three uh, conduction, which is what we are most often familiar with. That's where you touch, like a, so. Imagine you're washing some dishes, mm-hmm. and you put the hot water on the edge of the plate, and you hold the other edge. Your hand eventually gets warm. Yeah. You can feel heat transferring through the plate. Mm. And if you pull Being it out, conducted by, conducted by the through the plate
2: material, the same plate. as how right. yeah. any
3: you, like hot stove
1: would work. You know, you put a fry yeah. pan or a saucepan on a flame heat conducts into the pot which then conducts into the food cooking your food exactly
3: and like that's sort of a linear thing so if you take the plate out of the hot water you can touch the edge of the plate and it's hotter than the middle which is hotter than where your hand is so like Mm.
2: you Mm. can you can visualize it literally traveling up the thing
3: imagine you're sitting around a campfire and you can you put a stick into the fire you can see it because mm. the edge of the stick is glowing. And the, yeah. you know, you can, and the
2: fire progressively works its way towards you.
3: Yeah. So like conduction, very, very straightforward, very easy to understand. Um, the next one is convection. Um, mm. Sounds very similar. Convection is kind of just a special case of conduction. So in yeah. conduction, what you're doing is you're taking a hot thing and a, and a cold thing um, relative to one another, of course. So like a fire and a stick or something or the hot water and your, and your dish. You're putting them next to each other and... The hot thing will get slightly less hot. The cold thing will get slightly less cold, and they'll average out, so to speak. Mm. You know, and obviously accounting for the if you put an ice cube in a coffee cup, the relative volume of the water in the, co- of the coffee versus the you know the ice cube, they'll they'll find their equilibrium. Yeah. Um, so conduction that that's that's a, that's simple conduction. Convection is when you take the cold thing or the hot thing, mm-hmm. the thing that's like averaging out, and the Difference in temperature, the delta T, becomes smaller. If you take the cold thing or the hot thing out and you replace it with new stuff, it's at the original temperature. Mm. So in conduction, the uh, I, I, okay, a good example, a better example actually is an ice cube. So you hold an ice cube in your hand, mm-hmm. and the ice cube will start to melt. Mm-hmm. But as your hand gets cold, the rate at which the ice cube melts will decrease.
2: Will slow, yeah. So because it's not as big a temperature difference and so the the heat energy has less enthusiasm to run away from the hot thing exactly
3: so you're holding an ice cube Mm. you can imagine if i took the ice cube out of my hand and i put it in my other hand right Mm. so now the temperature it would start
2: melting faster again because your other hand hasn't cooled down right
3: so that's so convection is where you take one side either the hot side or the cold side or both and you replace it with new thing and the so the
2: it's like flipping over your pillow to the cold side mm. in the middle of the night so <laughs> yeah. that you can yeah
3: that's like slow convection yeah yeah and it it doesn't last very long and so a convection right oven yeah
2: right which is where i've heard the word yep. convection used most regularly like Likewise. how does that work
1: is that what fan forced ovens about right because when you turn the fan on in an oven it
3: circulates the air around
1: mm. yeah so,
3: so what can conve- so okay my earlier example of like an additional in, you're washing the dish. Mm. You, imagine you filled a, the sink with hot water, and mm-hmm. then you put like half of the plate in the hot water. Mm-hmm. The plate would warm up, and the sink would cool down very slightly. Yeah, the plate is small, and the sink is really big. Yeah, so it's probably not going to change much. But it you can imagine the plate
2: more than the sink relatively. Yeah,
3: if it was like a really small sink or something, yeah. then the sink would cool down. Whereas if you were running the water over the over the plate, the new the new water that's coming in is already hot. So that's actually convection. Convection, um, in practical terms, is basically always like a fluid flowing over something, in a way to either heat the thing or cool the thing down. Mm-hmm. Okay. So if you're outside and the wind's on your like blowing against you and you feel cold in the wind, that wind chill factor, that's convection happening. Whereas if you're just standing outside, the air that's next to your skin is warming up a little bit, but not getting replaced. Mm-hmm. So you even just, just having
1: a um, a fan in your room to cool you down, that's an instance of convection. Yeah,
3: absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. I see. I Which see. Which is um kind of interesting because a fan, um, if you like imagine you had a fan, you had a you had a room and you closed the door, it's like a really hot day, so you don't want any or air coming in. You've closed mm. the window, you've closed mm. the door, you only want to cool one room, you put the fan on, you will feel cooler for a while. Mm. But because the fan is stirring the room, it's actually adding heat to the room.
2: Yeah, right. Because it's a mechanical thing, right? The mm. movement of the blade would be generating heat yeah. and mm. releasing it into the room and so then it's just airflow but it's oh.
3: yeah so the average temperature of the room will go up sneaky but you will perceive feel cooler. you will feel cooler because the heat, the heat transfer off your body you're the hottest thing in the room uh, yeah i am <laughs> <laughs> the uh the heat tra- the you know you will experience cooling for a while until it gets too warm in the room and then you know it feels like outside and then you're just sad because there's no other way to okay. get cold <laughs> because you have no cold source yeah, You're sitting in the room yeah. and there's no way to get cooler because you can't transfer heat into it. Because bodies right. generate
2: heat. Them powerhouses, them mitochondria do be do be heating though.
3: <laughs> yeah, so for the from the perspective of, refri- of refrigeration, um, I think it's really interesting that convection and conduction sort of fundamentally are only as good as the coldest thing that you can find mm. and like get access to. Um, so the third kind Some of heat transfer a, yeah. is radiation which in like normal human terms is not relevant at all. (laughs) Okay. But so like, you know, when you do a mechanical eng, you ignore it basically. Okay. But there are some uh, like sort of specialist use cases where radiation is like super useful. Mm. Um, Radiation, of course, is like just things that have a temperature, a non-zero temperature, which is to say everything, (laughs) Uh, will um, release heat uh, to their environment Um, in the form of radiation so if you're sitting in a room and this is like a different mode of of heat transfer so Mm. if you um if you have a fire a campfire you can like put your hand really close to it and it's hotter there's like combustion happening and you can stick your hand into it and you can get heat conducted or convected into your hand you can burn your hand yeah but also it's radiating both effects are sort of happening in fact i'm not Maybe maybe a fire is all radiation. I don't know. There's like a, there's I feel a, like a it would be a, a, a bit
1: of both, right? Like you're getting the radiation from the pure heat source of the fire itself, right. but then you're yes, also yes, yes. getting the okay. convection or conduction as the fire is heating up the air that you are close to. Yes. Then your interaction with that warm air... Is then a form yes. of convection or conduction. So mm. both are happening, mm. but right. one's more negligible because you're more noticing the radiation than you are the conduction from just the air that you're in. But if you were in a room with a fire in one corner that slowly heats up the room, then you're feeling that air, then I guess that would be the convection slash conduction question mark.
3: Yeah. So if you if you got a little glass box, a little glass room with clear with clear walls, and you climbed in there and you lit a fire, you would get really warm. And you're like, oh of course I'm in a tiny room with a fire. But if you got out of the room, you would be less warm, but the fire would still, you, you could still feel the flame because if it's a clearer glass box, you would still feel the fire radiating at you, even though there's no air transfer, even though you can't physically touch the fire, um, it would still warm you up, which is really cool.
2: Would that not be for, from the the fire heating the glass and then the glass radiating? That would happen. Or, yeah.
3: Yeah. Um, If you had a special, like if you had an aerogel, glass box which is mm-hmm. the least dense material it's the most insulated material that mm-hmm. we have mm-hmm. um you could there's you know there's things of like people getting a bunsen burner and a chocolate and they put the chocolate on top of the bunsen burner and it doesn't burner. melt it yeah doesn't melt there are some crazy videos
1: plane. on aerogel out there where like they'll be holding one side of the aerogel and have like a really hot flame underneath it and it does no damage to their yeah. skin and they put a heat camera on it i think veritasium on youtube does a really good video yeah. on it we'll link it in the description
3: because it's a I very very veritasium, good watch yeah yeah, it's great. Aerogel wow. is a cool time.
2: Cool. I didn't know that. I love uh, learning. And in fact, Continue. aerogel,
3: the reason it doesn't really work is that it's it's extremely low density and so heat doesn't conduct through it very well.
2: Right. Mm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, that makes sense. Oh, yeah. I love this.
3: Because heat is uh, like the kinetic energy of atoms and molecules. Yeah,
2: like I guess that's a thing we should probably fundamentally define, right? Is like what even is heat? Heat is yeah. just energy. Right. The, like kinetic movement of all the the bits and pieces that make up mm. a material or, a you know, atmosphere or a, anything.
3: Mm. And so if you imagine a coffee cup and you put an ice cube in there, you can like visualize if you had a bunch of atoms that were vibrating really mm. hard.
2: Heat is just the, the wiggly walk Yeah, (laughs) Heat is just wibbly wobblies. They're dancing,
3: right? Mm. They're dancing it up. And then you put an ice cube in there, a bunch of things that aren't dancing very much. Like the dancing. They're too cool to
2: dance. Mm. They walk in with their leather jackets and sunglasses into the party and they're like, I'm just going to stand here and lean against the wall with my hands in the pockets and a cigarette coming out of my mouth. I'm not going to dance because I'm too cool. I'm smoking
1: inside. I think it's a cool (laughs) concept to understand that like that's what heat is, that it's the vibration of these particles because when I first learned that it was how I was able to... Conceptualize the idea that there can be an absolute zero but not mm. necessarily an absolute mm. heat, because heat is just how much particles are vibrating and so like
2: things can just keep vibrating faster more, and faster and but faster you can in theory a point mm. of stillness yes
3: I suppose there has to be a maximum because like if it's uh, vibrating and there's a little thing moving at light speed there's a physical yeah, limit on how fast things that's can true move. I don't know mm. if that would really about, apply. I think
1: you've also got like stuff to do with like the plank length and things like that I think Vsauce yeah. did a video on it We'll throw yeah. that in the description as well. It's been a while <laughs> since I've watched yeah, that, but cool. I think he he touches on, is there an absolute hot? Um, oh, cool. And I think okay, he I touches on, yeah, speed, flight, like stuff like question. that. It's, yeah, it's it's good.
3: Uh, and uh, I mean, if, if you're getting to that level of like crazy, bizarro, weird physics, you have to think about like, oh, the atomic model that we visualize is not quite accurate. Yeah. Like electrons don't exist at particular points in space. They're kind of closed. No, they're
2: kind of everywhere at once. Kind yeah. Of- and crazy shit
3: do they actually move through space in a way that needs to obey speed of light well i don't and then don't you're really potentially so.
1: delving into like quantum shit at that point as exactly. well which yeah. gets very wibbly wobbly um so yeah. I might I might pull so us we've back we've in to di- reasoning by from analogy. Refrigeration so a little so little bit. Let's, we've got anyway, you know, so three forms go of heat transfer: transfer. conduction, point. convection, radiation.
3: Yeah. Conduction. The point is, radiation's not that big a deal. Yeah. Um, generally, on the normal human we scale, we don't
2: talk about radiation. No, no, that's no. exactly We right. don't talk <laughs> about radiation. <laughs> no, no, no.
3: So if you're sitting in a room, um, you will radiate heat, and you can get those like thermal cameras, and you yeah
2: yeah.
3: But the thing is, you're radiating heat into the like
2: 37 degrees Celsius is our core mm. temperature. If you would listen to our last episode, <laughs> and our listen question. Went all into that anyway.
3: Yeah. Wonderful. Continue. Yeah. <laughs> um, but you're radiating into the room and the room is full of walls, which are also radiating back on you. Mm. So it's a little bit like it doesn't, it's it's the net effect is not significant in engin- on an engineering scale. Mm-hmm. So we don't really worry about it too much. And um, yeah. So the point is that all throughout history, you only really had convection and conduction, which means you kind of only have conduction
1: mm-hmm.
3: and then conduction with a running fluid. Yeah. And conduction fundamentally is about averaging temperatures. You take a hot thing and a cold thing and then you meet in the middle somewhere, somewhere in the middle, mm-hmm. depending on like which is bigger. Yeah. The, yeah,
2: And yeah. which is, yeah.
3: Yeah. So <laughs> I find this really interesting uh, with, with two notable exceptions. Okay. Through human history yeah. that I can think of, that I'm aware of. So number one is like, if you can go to a cold place or high altitude, if you can climb a mountain, mm, mm-hmm. um, mountains higher up have slightly lower pressure. We'll get to that in a sec. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but also they're cold. So you can go up there, grab some cold shit. Like there are stories of um, in ancient Rome, people who are extremely wealthy, go, like sending people up in carts yeah, to carve yeah. big blocks of ice. Ice cubes. And mm. then carve them down. Yeah. yeah, and you'd carry a really, really big block mm. of ice because then it's got like a really – uh, high volume per surface area. Yeah, so and so it would, it's
2: going to stay colder for longer it's because cold. it's got less, you know, ability to brush up against the hot
3: yeah. world around it. And you'd cover it in, like, in like oiled animal skins that were, you know, whatever. Mm. And you'd do all these things to, to keep it as cold as you could, carry it all the way down to the mm-hmm. city, and then you'd have your, like, shaved ice yeah. delicacy treat thing in the middle of summer, which... Like, of course that's a thing, because it's the only cold thing. Like, yeah. Like, of course that's a Like, where else are they going to get
1: cold? Yeah. Especially, when like, we don't really the ability arid, to dry, yeah, do, yeah. hot environments, like, you know, mm. deserts and shit like that. E- equatorial zones, like.
3: Mm. Well, the other fun example is in ancient Persia, a very... Ooh. Uh, for a lot of its history, a very uh, kind of hot, dry, arid area. Mm. Um, it's also an area that has a lot of um, clear skies, which mm-hmm. meant that they stumbled across a mode of getting something colder using our good old friend Radiation, who we don't like to talk about. <laughs> um, so I find this really interesting. Like y- you can imagine some, you know, ancient farmer or something getting up in the morning. And there's like dew on the grass, mm. right? And sometimes if it's real cold, the dew is kind of frosted. Yeah. Even though mm-hmm. it didn't get to zero degrees. Yeah. And you can imagine, you know, you're walking along crunch, crunch, crunch the glasses.
2: I can I can imagine this well. growing up in Canberra where mm-hmm. it was frequently cold in the mornings, that crunchy walking across the ice, yeah. icy grass is a very clear visual in my head. Mm-hmm.
3: And I can imagine a lot of people thinking like, oh, yeah, it's just a thing that happens. Um, I can imagine someone leaving a bucket of water out at night. Mm-hmm. And then when they wake up, you know, there's a little bit of ice on the bucket and you mm. poke it and it sort of cracks apart and mm-hmm. it starts to melt. And you could look at it and think it didn't get cold enough mm.
2: to f-
0: freeze,
3: but there is ice.
2: But yeah, What the fuck? Yeah.
3: And, you know, you'd be like, hey, Steve, what do you think? And he's like, <laughs> oh, I don't know. Don't worry about it. We've got work to do. Yeah, sure. Okay. Um, well, some clever cookies figured out that, i don't know maybe someone left out some different kinds of buckets they left out a deep bucket and a wide bucket and <laughs> no. they figured out that a shallow wide bucket created more ice
2: interesting that that's like actually the opposite of what i would intuitively have guessed mm-hmm. so it's something about the water
1: that makes sense to me right me because more. it's I'm, so, I'm not the part gonna, that's freezing yeah. is the top of it the, that has the most contact with the yeah. air right you don't have the entire with the
2: air but also the most contact with yeah the water well below i mean I, I don't like know why it's happening or... but
1: ultimately that's what happens right it's a little sorry it's a little ring on on top you don't have ice going all the way down to the bottom so it makes sense that if you increase the <gasps> surface area of the shit on top that's contacting no, the air true, you're gonna get true. a larger ring on top so more of the water in that bucket is going to be isified mm. than if you just had a deep narrow thing Again, I don't know why, but that's yeah, where no, my yeah. intuition goes with that.
3: And the deeper it is, the higher like total heat content, the longer it can keep averaging out its heat. Um so the deeper it is, the warmer it'll stay. But if it was shallower, it'll you can like
2: mm-hmm. you can yeah,
3: get no. it colder. My whole physics intuition is just the heat bad. will leak out less <laughs> so, so it's like <laughs> the yeah, the, the reverse well, it's, reason it's,
1: of why they would get a big block of ice rice. You're making Mm. that ratio of surface area to volume more in favor of surface area than you are to volume. Mm.
3: Yeah. And I don't think you should say that your intuition is bad because it's, it's extremely counterintuitive precisely because on like the, you know, the normal human level, Mm. you never deal with radiation as a, as a, uh, or a spoiler um, as a heat transfer method. But Mm. what they were doing inadvertently is you have a nice clear sky at night Mm. and water can slowly lose heat via radiation just at the sky There's nothing to catch that heat and bounce it back.
2: Yeah, whoa. Which is why, like, deserts and stuff get so cold overnight compared to. Yeah, because there's no cloud cover Mm. to, like, keep the heat in. It just, like, dissipates out into the, into the, wherever it goes, space, I guess. Like, (laughs) it's why
1: (laughs) if it's a a cloudy day or raining or something, it might often be a warmer day than a, a clear. Say You know, the, the greenhouse effect, right? The more shit there mm-hmm. is in the sky, the more heat gets kept in.
3: Mm. Yeah, absolutely. There's a bunch of very famous cooling technologies that were developed in warm and arid parts of the world. A lot of things to do with interesting airflow mechanisms. Mm. Um, you know, keep uh, how, finding ways, like making big towers and they can grab air from higher up where it's a bit cooler and, and channel it down. And you can get cool mm. air into, the, into a building. But what I think is more interesting is in ancient Persia, they found a way to create uh, blocks of ice. Even when it didn't get blue,
2: whoa! They were able to freeze water without water freezing temperatures. Yeah. What? Yeah, without <laughs> what? doing any averaging. Oh, this is cool. This is cool.
3: So yeah, you can imagine. Um, I I really like to think of like someone being, like looking at this bucket and being like, "What the fuck? I don't just what?" Huh? And then like digging <laughs> a ditch and like laying down some oiled skins or something and then pouring water into it and everyone else being like, "What the fuck are you doing? Just go to bed, man." <laughs> and then, and then he comes in the morning
2: out, he's like. I've done a magic. It's a block
3: of ice. You're like,
2: yes, it worked. <laughs> Holy shit. <laughs> yes, take that fucking...
3: <laughs> Eat my shit, man. <laughs> uh, it's
2: exactly how it went down. Yeah,
3: so uh, I know that... They, I, I'm. My understanding is that they also use evaporative cooling there, which is another uh, very interesting little... I guess that it's actually another form of functional heat transfer evaporative cooling. You notice mm. when you sweat, you get colder. Yeah. As the water evaporates from you, um, it... Takes a bit of the heat, heat, heat away it. from you. Yeah.
1: Goes away. Yeah.
3: So evaporative cooling was also involved, but um, I'm pretty sure they used radiation in like big shallow pools. And then you take the blocks of ice and you store them underground um, mm, where it's, it's so. this would like, make yeah. it, wouldn't just be like thin little
1: sheets of ice on top. It wouldn't make like dense, actual large blocks of ice, this method.
3: You could totally like dig a big wide pool. And maybe not like a meter deep, but like I can I can picture a pool like 30 centimeters deep, mm. and as long as it wasn't covered, and you could make it really wide, big circle, and you'd get a fair amount of ice, and then you'd come out the next day with your little hammer and whatever, and break yeah. it up and stack it up. Because what balls. I wonder,
1: right, the, the same thing that is allowing this to freeze overnight, I would worry... Would allow it to melt really easily the next day. You've got such a massive surface
3: I mean, you've area. You've got to
2: harvest it, I assume, yeah. like first you can't thing, and then it. store it underground and whatever before that happened. You've got like, yeah. to get to before timing. the sun gets at it. Yeah.
3: Yeah. And like collect it, take it inside, and then you can like you could stack it up, right? You've you've got maximum surface area. You could then stack it up into into like big cubic like big cubes or something. Yeah. And then stick that underground where it's cooler. Um, The earth is about 18 degrees just, like, all the time. Mm. And if you've got Um, a well-insulated
1: place underground that you're filling with ice, the net temperature's going to go down,
3: meaning you're just making a giant ice box that'll keep it all cool for a relatively large amount of time. Mm. Yeah, and then you can, like, they had access to ice basically year-round, which is fucking sick. And it's not really dependent on, like, season because the air temperature... The only thing that matters is, like, the air temperature at night, which can get pretty cold mm. in those places anyway. And the cloud cover. And the cloud cover. Yeah.
2: yeah. Wow, that's crazy. That's so cool. That's
3: yeah, cool. so that's very – I think it's very, very cool. Uh, but in around the 18th century, people were messing around with steam power. This mm-hmm. is where refrigeration comes in. Okay. And they stumbled across this idea that if you make something hot, it, it pressure expands. can go up. It expands. Mm-hmm. And you can, like –
2: because as the dancers dance more violently, like, yeah. <laughs> they need more space to flail their arms. Yeah, yeah,
3: exactly.
1: <laughs> Have you ever so, seen a mosh pit? Like, it makes sense. Everyone moves the
2: fuck yeah, back. Yeah, <laughs> exactly.
3: Right. Yeah, perfect. Perfect analogy. The um, violence of a mosh pit is the same as the violence of a steam engine. <laughs>
2: yeah. <laughs> steam engines are just mosh pits for
3: particles. Like... <laughs> I like it.
2: Um, that's why they call it steampunk. Because <laughs> anyway.
3: <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah, beautiful. So you can imagine, um, you know, people started figuring out, oh, if I boil water, I can make the steam do mechanical work. Mm. Uh, Asterisk. When you're boiling the water, you've got a space that's filled with air and -hmm. then you fill it with steam so that you're putting in more mass into that space so the pressure goes up. Mm -hmm. But if you keep adding heat to it, Mm -hmm. its pressure will continue to go up. Mm -hmm. So you can keep fucking stoking flame on there and you can um, make something really high pressure. You can use that pressure to do mechanical work, but it to push a piston to push a piston you know, yeah. to make your train go or whatever you want to do. Um, so it doesn't take a huge leap to look at that and think, well, hmm, well, if if making it hotter makes it like push harder, maybe if I push on it, like, can I affect its temperature if I push on
2: it? Oh, can I like squish it and make it colder?
3: Or can I squish and make it like? If you you're, you're it's hotter, the I guess, because you're decreasing the, the pressure. Space. Yeah. Yeah. So, it's like when I when I make it hot, mm. it pushes out hotter. Yeah. So if I push in,
2: so if I push back,
3: will it get hotter?
2: It, it would get worse. hotter again. Well, in theory, potentially, maybe, right? Because... And you can
3: sort of reason by analogy if you know how particles work and you know what temperature is. They didn't obviously in the 18th century. It but makes you can sort sense of... with mm. an
1: equation, right? Both sides of the equations should equal each other. More heat equals higher pressure. Therefore, higher pressure should equal more heat. It should be a reverse. Right. You can thing, sort of
3: right? Yeah, you can sort of reason your way to that. And you know, you can sort of imagine if you had a mosh pit and then a bouncer mm. comes in with a big stick and Or like you have the wall of death moment on.
2: where everyone forms that big circle and then like runs and <laughs> <laughs> yeah. swishes together. Definitely gets warmer.
3: Yeah. Uh-huh. Right. Oh yeah. And it gets more cramped, more violent. <laughs>
1: yeah.
2: Yeah, more the blood nose happens and then people get fueled by the extra adrenaline of the pain and like flail back harder. I've just started and... getting
1: into metal and hard rock again and this is just making me want to go back to gigs again. This is... Oh, okay. <laughs> I've been getting back into uh,
3: Yeah,
2: yeah, it's good fun. It's good mm. fun
3: shit. Right, so the, the uh, electrons, the atoms, they get a little adren- adrenaline rush. Yeah. They start to get hotter. Mm-hmm. And um, now, hang on, wait a second, what the fuck? You've changed the heat without like directly interacting with temperature you haven't done any averaging you haven't done any like the main way we've all through history created heat is by burning something Mm. you haven't really burnt anything you've compressed it you've made an artificial heat change without applying heat well Mm. now
2: but you've still applied like work work yeah yeah Yeah,
3: but you can imagine i could like push on something make it really hot Mm. And then I could let it cool down. I could, like, hold it and just, like, for a while it'll cool down over time. Mm -hmm. It'll come to equilibrium. It'll come to room temperature. Mm -hmm. But I can still release it. I haven't released it yet. Mm. So if I release the pressure, the temperature still has to go down.
2: Right. Yes.
3: Oh. Oh. Okay. So you've got, like, a little refrigeration bomb. And now you have a refrigeration, like, a refrigeration cycle. You pressurize something. It gets hot. You take the heat out of it because now you can, now you can use your averaging techniques. You can like put it next to a thing that's cold or room temperature. You can blow room temperature air over it. It'll cool down, but you haven't released it yet. When you release it, it'll come, its temperature will come down.
2: It'll cool down. for. Whoa. Okay.
3: And now you have a tiny fridge. It's not very efficient. It's a bit of a bit cumbersome, but like you have a whole new paradigm of heat transfer. Oh, and you can kind of.
1: I can think of an instance where you'd see this in real life. Um, the little CO2 canisters that you use to fill up your bicycle tire, or if you've ever used a whipped cream cartridge in a whipped cream thingy. Like yeah. so those are definitely
2: the only two uses for those canisters.
1: Exactly. <laughs> the as soon as like all of that pressure gets released from that, it gets icy, icy cold.
2: Yeah, 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 it does. Mm. It ah. and that's Whoa. why
3: that's happening. In fact, oh. In fact, it was probably noticed by accident. I'm just thinking about it now. I would not be surprised at all if the first time that this effect was noticed Mm. was like someone was fiddling around with steam power trying to make a steam Mm. engine or something. Mm. And they walked away from it for an hour. Mm. And they came back and they're like, oh, I didn't didn't release the pressure. And then they Mm. noticed it get cold and they were like,
1: hang on. Wait (laughs) a second. Oh, deodorant cans as well. uh, Any aerosol can, if you press and hold it down long enough, that gets cold as well.
2: It gets cold.
3: Mm. That's a more relatable example, maybe.
2: Oh, (laughs) my (laughs) gosh.
3: Yeah. This so is
2: blowing my mind. This is so cool.
3: It's beautiful. So I feel like, you know, you go, if you go back to Newton.
2: Yeah. Okay. Let's you, go back to Newton.
3: You were like, you know, listen, everything you understand about how you, how heat transfer works, which is like averaging heat, basically, um, You there, there's a way to do that to, to make things colder. Right. Yeah. Like up until then, human paradigms have always been I can use fuel burning mm. to make something hotter, or I can average with something cold. Mm hmm. So, if you went to him and, and and you said, "I can make, I can I can take an ice cube and a coffee cup, and I can put the ice cube in the coffee cup, and the ice gets colder and the coffee gets hotter," and he'd be like, "Yeah, nah. yeah, okay, <laughs> all right, fuck off, you stupid magic magician person, which <laughs> <laughs> Newton was famously a bit of an asshole. Yeah, that checks uh, <laughs> out. So, well, I mean, it it I'm sure be he'd be an asshole
2: too if I was that smart. Like, come on.
0: <laughs>
1: if I ever I mean, learned sure that, like, you know, a lot of the old male academics of years past were actually not very years tolerant past? people um you know that mm. doesn't Woo! surprise me <laughs> you know they just i i don't know that just kind of checks out right if you find out some mm-hmm. old professor is a bit of
3: a douche yeah what's I mean, you hear stories of like <laughs> the greek philosophers and mm. all they did was just fucking shit on each other mm. just all day
1: not to say that so, every academic was from history say, was an asshole. changed, but, but okay. I'm just saying uh. if I ever find out one is an arsehole, it's not surprising. Yeah, mm.
2: yeah, yeah. Mm. Hashtag not all
3: not academics. all pre- academics, <laughs> not
2: all academics. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> just most of us, anyway.
3: <laughs> so yeah, this is a really interesting little yep. uh, little feature, and it totally changes how things work. And now you have a way to spend work and get cold things. Oh,
2: that's so.
1: Yeah. Which, that's revolutionary. Yeah,
3: that creates all sorts of new, oh. yeah, mm, mm, mm. new problems. You pressurize the
2: sink to heat it up. You put several cold plates into it to remove the heat. You depressurize the sink, and you get an ice cube. Am Beautiful. I? Did I follow that correctly? Yeah,
3: perfect, perfect,
2: mm. <laughs> amazing.
3: Yeah, and um, you can. I I I would not be surprised at all if people just sort of intuitively knew that food lasted longer when it was cold. Mm. like i can't i can't think of a way to discover homeostasis
2: well is that intuition or is that like at least in today's day and age you grow up using a refrigerator and so you just kind of like know because it's just part of the way world works i imagine people would have figured it out that
1: like you you kill an animal you've hunted it Mm. it lasts longer if you take it into the cave than if you leave it out in the sun Right, mm. Mm. probably simple right. stuff like that. They figured that kind of thing relatively early. If you at least give it some level of shelter from the elements, that makes it last longer. Whether they knew that it was the heat, or mm. if it was the light, the or if it
3: was that. what mm. they they,
1: mm. I imagine even, that's something we figured out pretty early.
3: Yeah, absolutely. And even like you can imagine in like you know pre-civilization tribal era, people hunting in the forest or whatever, and they catch mm-hmm. a, they catch an animal, they kill it. In summer it lasts longer than it does in winter. Mm. With the same kind of treatment. Right, yeah. And you'd you'd I think you'd intuitively pick that up pretty quick. Do you mean like, it would oh, last in longer in winter, winter than it would in summer?
2: Oh yeah, the other way around. It would last longer in winter than Yes. In oh, is that
3: what I said? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, that's yeah. What I meant. In okay. winter would just... last longer. So you cool. You have to like eat it faster or salt it or 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 whatever, smoke it or whatever. Yeah. Mm. Sooner. Um and I can I can imagine people just sort of intuitively under like that knowledge being remembered Mm. pretty easily until well it's
2: fundamental to survival knowing how food survives or doesn't and how often you need to hunt for new food or whatever right like that's Mm. a very important thing for human beings Mm. Mm.
1: (laughs) and then especially as we moved past being hunter gatherers and started developing agriculture where we were producing so much food that we had surplus that we needed to store Mm. we probably really started to crack down on these ideas and expanding on them but I imagine the intuition was mm-hmm. always there for us.
3: And I bet, so given it, this like was discovered around the 18th century, so like the 1700s or so, um, we were pretty good at making like, we as a, as a species, we're pretty good at making like grain, you know, um, like agriculture and make plant foods. Mm-hmm. But I know at that time like meat was a really big deal. There was a bunch mm-hmm. of agricultural discoveries that made it a lot easier to um, to mass produce meat. Mm. Um, you know, new like farming techniques were developed and, um, I can totally imagine someone being like, oh, we can mass produce like beef in Ireland, but we can't get it to London, which is where the beef was wanted. Yeah. right. It's like, we have to move the cattle or we have to like, you know, oh, having fresh unsmoked meat is a bit of a delicacy. So I can put it on a cold thing and maybe make it last longer. Mm. And then you figure out a rudimentary form of refrigeration. I can totally imagine someone. Being like, fuck yeah. Um, Yeah, and so refrigeration is born. And today we have refrigerators in, in like, every house because they're so crazy useful.
1: So how are they able to package this concept of depressurization into a modern refrigerator? Because... When I think of a refrigerator, I don't think of it as just constantly releasing gas and pressure the same way that I imagine, Mm. uh, you know, you're taking the pressure out of a a whipped cream canister, you know.
3: Right. It's a little less steampunk nowadays. (laughs) So, um, yeah. So what you do is you take, um, we don't use like air or water anymore. What you do is you take um, a specially tuned and engineered um, fluid, Mm -hmm. some kind of refrigerant, and, uh, you you know, you find some fluid that uh, it'll have really convenient um, evaporative and condensive properties. So it means it changes state, it turns into a gas or it turns into a liquid um, at really convenient um, temperatures and rates and it'll like hold a lot of energy. So it's got a really high heat content. Mm-hmm. So what do you do? You have a big circle of pipes, you have a compressor. So that makes it high pressure, mm-hmm. that makes it hot. You then run it through a bunch of um, cooling coils, which is an the- evaporator.
2: Conduction to get the heat out of it.
3: Yep. So if you look at the back of your fridge, there's a bunch of like squiggly black lines in a lot mm-hmm. of fridges. Maybe modern fridges, they're hidden a little bit better. Mm-hmm. My fridge is just at the back. You could like mm-hmm. touch it and you don't want to touch it because it's real fucking hot. Yeah. <laughs> so uh you pressurize this fluid until it's pretty fucking hot. You run it through these little coils and that makes the room outside of the fridge a bit hotter because what yeah. you're really doing is you're sorting heat. Yeah. It makes the room outside the fridge a little bit hotter. As that happens, the fluid will um, condense. It'll turn back into a liquid. But anyway, the point is that you it, it loses heat. Yeah. It flows on and then you can release the pressure by like with a little valve. So you can have a pipe be really narrow and then you make the pipe really big. Mm. So you just add more volume, there's more room. The pressure drops and then it becomes cold and then you run the cold fluid through like the back of your fridge behind little... Mm,
2: and then the little vents at the back of the fridge release the cold. Yeah, well, the air in the fridge the cold, will, but, like, you know. come
3: in contact with them. And, yeah. you know. yeah. and if your fridge is well-designed, it'll probably, like, have a little fan or it'll, like, the air that's warmer will rise and then the cold. Yeah. Yeah, so, um, and then it goes again.
1: And it just, so just cycles like- and cycles.
3: And it just cycles. And hmm. one of the things that I found really interesting about that is that um, because you're using uh, a little pump, you can, like, look at the en- the electricity usage, the energy usage of the pump, how much work is done by the pump um, in terms of, like, energy we care about, electricity. Mm. And you can look at how much, um, like, work in a physics sense was done in terms of heat transfer. And you can get efficiencies that are functionally more than 100 because you can move more heat than you put in via electricity.
2: Interesting.
3: And, uh, you know, climate change, there's a new push uh, lately to um like we still generate heat mostly by burning things mm. Mm. um so a lot of uh bigger buildings will have boilers in them so you take yeah. natural gas methane and you burn it in a big steel chamber mm-hmm. it'll create lots of hot things and then you run the hot things or you run water over the hot things it'll uh the water will t- will, will heat up yeah and then you use that to heat the warm boil building up. in it'll the boil boiler in mm-hmm. boiler yep <laughs> so um but you're essentially burning something. Or you can use electric heaters, like a lot of houses use. Electric heaters turn electricity straight into heat. Mm-hmm. One-to-one. They're basically big resistors.
1: Same way a toaster works. Exactly. it got like Precisely. Yeah, a resistor, yeah. a piece of wire, you run electricity through it, it glows hot. You know, that's why exactly. you don't stick a knife in a toaster, because it's just raw, it's just it's conducting electricity. Because you then put you'll a get conductor into that. It's to not that's spicy conduction. You don't want that. That's not the kind yeah. of thing.
2: <laughs> Spicy conduction.
3: right right so um you can use this heat this uh refrigeration technique well it's just a physical process you can run it backwards you can um have the like the fridge takes makes a cold space inside mm. and a hot space outside mm-hmm. you can run that in reverse in your house mm-hmm. and you can pull heat out of the outdoor air and put it into the house by using a compression mm. cycle and now you can instead of Burning, so to speak, electricity one to one in an electric heater, yeah. or literally burning gas yeah, yeah. in a boiler, or like wood or something. Um, you can take heat from outside, use a compression cycle, and push the heat indoors yeah. at way, way higher efficiencies. You can get way more heat to move for a given amount of electricity. Is that what <laughs> reverse...
2: people are so smart?
1: Is
3: that what reverse mm-hmm. cycle air conditioning is?
1: So you can have it be cooling or warming, and I imagine it probably just works on this compression thing like the way I'd imagine a lot of air conditioners would work, just like refrigerators for rooms, but you're able to reverse the cycle so it does the opposite with the pressure like you were saying, so then heat gets pushed in rather than
3: the cold air. Yeah, precisely. Um, I'm Mm. pretty sure reverse, reverse cycles, I'm pretty sure that reverse cycle in reverse cycle air conditioning does mean that, and it's to do with like the the thing physically reverses. Yeah. Um, I can imagine air conditioners, a lot of air conditioners just use electric coils, but I'm pretty sure reverse cycles specifically do that. I'm not 100% sure. That's all good. But um, you'd it hope makes so. It would make sense just so. with, with, the, with <laughs> the
1: being called a reverse cycle and then you're talking about reversing a cycle. It yeah, it just right. makes sense to me, you know?
3: <laughs> yeah. Like if, if they're like, oh, it doesn't actually do that, I'd be like, mm, okay, really? Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, so that's – um. You know that's that's a really nice thing, and there's a big push to make, um, you know, for net zero, and you got to electrify, you got to get Mm. off gas because you can't make you can't make methane not use carbon because it uses carbon. Because
2: it's part of the chemical composition of methane. What you're doing, yeah.
3: (laughs) So um, to decarbonize, you need to have um, uh, electricity being done being used instead of like burning things, and so
1: yeah. It's a shame because I really Um, really like a gas stove for cooking. Um, that's probably going to be oh, the hardest though. thing for me to get rid of. Induction d- is
3: so cool. <sighs> because it uses but that's other expensive interesting physics. and I rent.
1: Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh, we yeah. can do
2: a whole episode. <laughs> a future episode.
1: <laughs> I do like induction though. Induction is fun because induction just kind of works off um, like, that's like the same shit that makes Transformers work and charges and things like that. It's just inducing current via electro... Magnetism. It's been a while since I've mm. touched on it, not since year 12, but the whole idea that you put your hands on it and it won't burn you. It only generates the heat in the piece of cookware itself
3: is fun. Yeah. Yeah, right? Like super cool. It looks like magic. Mm. Yeah. If you showed that to mm. some, like, if you grabbed hey, your arcade person. <laughs> And you showed them that, they'd be like, okay, well, obviously that's magic. I mean,
2: honestly, if you grabbed me and you showed me that, I right. would be like, yeah, obviously that's magic. Right. I'm not a cave person. <laughs> like, yeah. I'm a pretty educated individual, but still intuitively, I'm like, no, that's fake.
3: Right. <laughs> what the fuck? <laughs> yeah. I'm like, I'm going to, I'm going to put it on here. It's going to be cold in your hand. but It'll cook the food. You're like, no, <laughs> no. Yeah. <laughs> Pull the other one. Ha ha. Good joke. Yeah. Um, so uh, I mentioned radiation as the the thing we don't talk about.
2: Yep. No, 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 no. We don't yeah. talk about
3: Radiation. Yeah, precisely. And um, also that uh, some people stumbled across a way to use radiation to cool. Mm. Um, radiation tends to only heat things up because that's, what, that's why sunlight is warm. Yeah. I guess that's the one place that radiation is really important in everyday life. Oh, it's nothing huge. So.
1: Only the thing that provides the earth with all orbits. of its heat.
2: The sun's not important, guys. Like.
1: Unless oh. you're 2022,
2: a we should be talking about the door. bottom <laughs>
1: dwelling sea creature when you go off geothermal vents and the sun doesn't exist for you. But mm. we're not. You're a well, oh, zooming yeah, through Those space. Real yeah.
3: yeah, with no sun. Yeah, t- awesome. <laughs> um, basically, in the same way that the um, you know these ancient Persians found that they could make something colder by just leaving it out under the sky. mm-hmm. Um, a, little, a few years ago, um, there was a team in the United States who figured out something a little bit similar. Okay. They made an interesting metamaterial. Metamaterials, Meta-materials, like meta just means like engineering a material with really weird properties that are mm. not natural, mm-hmm. like um, natural. Like aerogel? Like aerogel, exactly, mm. exactly. Yep. Um, so the cool, weird superpower that their material had was that it would radiate heat in a very specific wavelength which wasn't like um, – so, like, you get those, like, heat sensor, like those heat cameras, right, that you yeah, see? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, infrared cameras, and you can see people glowing and, and yeah. stuff. And you can, like, look through a house, and you can see them inside the house. So that um, that uh, works because when objects at different temperatures will radiate heat at di- of different wavelengths. Yeah, yeah. So you can detect the different wavelengths, and then you can say a wavelength corresponding to, like, 37 degrees – make that red mm. and the wavelength corresponding to 12 degrees or whatever, make that blue mm-hmm. yeah. and you can like program it. It's not because like this thing is intense. It's like the wavelength is different.
2: Yeah. Yeah.
3: Um, and like, you know, a hot thing is more intense in terms of like heat released or whatever, but it's, it's the point is that um, uh, the temperature that something's at will correlate to the um, kind of light that it radiates, Yeah, which is why if you stick a piece of metal in a fire, it glows. Mm. it'll get hot enough yeah. until the thing that it radiates become enters our visual range
1: yeah and becomes um, like and then you can kind of see it go up that visual range it starts as red hot which is the lowest frequency wavelength we can see until yeah. eventually it gets you know blue hot or white hot you know mm. Mm, the shorter wavelengths
3: at some point you don't want to be looking at it too closely you probably don't want to be holding it yeah it gets too hot you're probably getting uh, even if it's not conducting up your mm, hand it's mm. going to be radiating at your face mm. don't weld like scomo be... welds <laughs> yeah actually that's a perfect example <laughs> i was
2: gonna say that but when i said wombat for pm you said it was too political yeah uh, but that so was two
1: I... years ago kate we just had the election and albanese won so what does it matter
3: like yeah. and
2: scomo resigned. There's I guess, resigned
3: i guess scomo's but... old news huh
2: there you go he resigned as he resigned as leader of the liberal party anyway um, oh okay I don't yeah, I know whether he... Because he still won his seed, so I don't know. I need we'll to see. Up on still evolving as of recording. Yeah.
3: Mm, mm. You, you probably know better than I do. Let us know. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so the point is, these guys discovered a way to radiate in a really specific wavelength. Okay. okay. Why does that matter? Yeah. Well, the atmosphere catches a lot of light. Yes. It um, it uh, will block certain wavelengths, but it doesn't block others. You might be aware that you can get sunburned even when it's cloudy mm. because I'm very aware of certain. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Cause yep. certain kinds of, um, I actually think all UV light will, um, will not be caught by clouds. So mm. like UV clouds are invisible to UV light, so to speak. Mm.
2: Um, well, let's say like sunsets and stuff mm-hmm. look different based on how much cloud there is in the sky or where mm. you are, are you near the ocean are you near the whatever because the different composition of the atmosphere affects what color the sky looks mm. as the sun is like setting and and the wavelengths are bouncing differently
1: and yeah yeah absolutely. Well, that's a so, just quick aside there i'm is... sorry that's just a really interesting way you phrase that that clouds are invisible to uv light just you know imagining a creature that only sees using uv wavelengths they would not be able to see clouds they would just mm. go through certain parts of the air and suddenly it's thicker and wetter and they couldn't be able to see why which is yeah just an interesting thought experiment anyway mm. sorry continue right like
3: drop a lobster or, like, have a lobster walk through a fog and see if it could, like, if it was Navigate. confused. Yeah. Would or it like just a, be a like, why am I wet anyway. when I'm not in the water? Yeah. What
2: an interesting sci-fi story that I would absolutely read. First person perspective <laughs> of someone that only saw a UV light just, like, experiencing the world. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah.
3: Um, so, uh, essentially, what they did was they found a a band of um, wavelengths that the atmosphere didn't catch. Okay. So, like, didn't... Um, you know, didn't uh, absorb light in that wavelength mm-hmm. and then reflect it back in you. And so what they did was they tuned a material so that it would emit in just that wavelength. Okay. And then when they stuck it outside, yeah. it would radiate heat at a wavelength that wasn't like caught, wasn't absorbed by the atmosphere. Whoa. And this ended up meaning that they could radiate a lot more heat. Yeah. So it would cool down Faster, it would radiate harder yeah. without changing its temperature. And that's pretty neat because... That's whack. If, like, the only other way to make something radiate faster is to make it hotter. And if you want to make something cold, you don't want to make it You don't want to make it hotter. Hot, like, because obviously. Because
2: it's not going to... It's kind of... Yeah. Right. So... It's counterproductive.
3: Um, what they ended up doing, they they so they tuned this material, then they made the top of the material really, really shiny. Because, mm-hmm. like, making things cold when it's nighttime okay, cool, you made things cold when it's already cold.
0: <laughs> it's
3: not very useful. But they um, they found a way to, they could tune it such that it was shiny enough that even in direct sunlight. No. It would, the radiative cooling would outpace the heat addition to the sun.
2: What?
3: So they could. So it would cool
2: uh, down uh, uh, uh. in direct sunlight because of the specific wavelength of radiation. Yeah. That's so crazy.
3: To be just to be really heck? clear, it is not cooling down because of the sunlight. It's yeah. cooling down. Despite the sunlight. Despite the sunlight. Yes. It's yes. outpacing. If, it if there was a cloud that passed over or whatever.
2: Yeah. It's it- naturally cooling down anyway because it's losing heat via radiation. And it's doing that faster than the sun is adding heat to it.
3: Yeah. And you've like coated it to make it really, really shiny. So it absorbs something like, you know, so it 2%. So like,
2: reflects most of the sunlight. Yeah.
3: So then a, a material like that, you
1: might have already said it and I might have missed it, but would that just keep radiating and radiating and radiating or would it go until it's reached its thermal equilibrium with the outside atmosphere? Or would you end up with it just reaching absolute zero because it just keeps giving off its radiation before it has the chance to heat up again and absorb oh, yeah. that temperature from outside? does that's a up great question. A untouchable icicle
3: <laughs> right they've just like made a little apocalypse they've put this thing out and then they've doomed the whole earth as a massive heat sink and they've just killed themselves through like they touched it and they instantly froze to death. And they're just going to, all the heat's going to pour out of the planet.
2: I feel like I would have heard about this on the news. <laughs>
3: this I'm impending sure there's something you
1: can merge with the person that can only see UV create some sci-fi story <laughs> this great, around this apocalypse. Yeah, this great event. Sci-fi plots if any of our, our listeners r- write good, write fiction good, write sci-fi mm. fiction good, feel, feel free. You have, to, our, blessing. <laughs> you have yeah. our blessing. You have our blessing. You could use our IP. Um,
3: yep. So what actually happens is it can only, you know, it'll it will radiate at some rate. And then the material and the stuff around it will heat transfer mm-hmm. and start like balancing. So if you were standing under a like a sheet of this, if you put out a little like um you made a you made a sheet of it, you put it on some poles, so you stuck it above you, so you could stand under it as a shade. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You would be cooler under there than under a tree. Right. Because the air is conducting heat into the material. Yes. So it doesn't get like cold infinitely. Um it, it does depend on the um like the heat capacity of the stuff that's next to it end of the temperature, but yeah. you know, that's great because that's like what we want cold things for. Mm. So what you could do, if you were really mm. clever, you could like run water underneath it in little pipes. And now as you ran the water, it gets spontaneously colder without you having to do much like mm. intentional work. You know, you're not putting electricity into it. It's mm. just spontaneous. It just passively gets colder.
2: And what have you like, you know, instead of it being like a sheet above, you had it like vertical and then you just used gravity to run the water and then...
3: Sure. You want it to point at the sky? It. Yeah, okay. So, uh, but that's okay because you can like have a really wide, you know, thing of water that doesn't require much pumping energy mm. and you can push water through it.
2: have just like a very shallow gradient. Yeah. Diagonal. You could do it on, on water, a roof. a down it while it's still, yeah.
3: You still have to push the water up to the top of the roof.
2: Oh, true. You have to get, yeah, water doesn't just, you know, exist there.
3: If you have a rainwater tank
2: fair. and then. Oh, what if it rains
1: over it? <laughs> if you do a small amount of work at the start, do like a siphoning sort of technique, like, just just a basic Yeah, what if you use
2: capillary action to suck the water up?
3: Ooh, we're really approaching max efficiency, like, like We are going to solve
2: climate change right here, right now, folks.
3: Make the material that the pipe is running through, like, hydrophobic as well, so it flows really nicely (laughs) as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There are
2: ways to passively move water uphill.
3: Yeah. Absolutely. The the problem from an engineering standpoint was it would be getting enough water to happen fast enough. Like, the capillary action is small. Yeah, true. So you'd need to scale up your, like... The thing All right, revolution. the
2: engineer can come in here and crumble <laughs> my dreams of reality. It's no, fun. but
3: like I'm, I'm super on board with like, how can we min-max this? What leads yeah, to yeah. pull to max it? Like minimize the intentional In-push work, the to electricity and maximize work, the output and maximize the heat transfer. Mm. And um, you know, when you have it like a, a chiller, which is a big fridge thing, mm. um. You can get CRPs of like three and four and five and six.
2: COPs being?
3: Uh, sorry, a coefficient of performance. Yeah, right. So that's like how, how much heat transfer did you do per mm-hmm. unit of electricity you put in? Right. So you can get really nice ones as high as like eight. So you put in one unit of electricity and you move eight units of heat. Yeah, okay. Amazing. Yeah. Incredible. Yeah. Um, If you can start doing weird shit where you're putting in like almost no energy.
2: Yeah.
3: Like electricity, so energy we care about. Yeah into the system and you can get a small amount of heat transfer mm-hmm. that opens, you know, you know, even a small amount of heat transfer opens the window to like, like stupid COPs. Mm. It's a COP of like 50. Yeah. Okay. You know? Um, and then the engineering task becomes, okay, so how, like, what's the, um, cooling capacity. So like how fast can it reject heat mm-hmm. versus the, like the cooling load of the building or of whatever you want to call, cool. um, how much like surface area do I need, et cetera, et cetera. Mm. How can I scale that up to do my nice, like stupid physics breaking efficiency (laughs) at really high volume? Yeah. Um, And then how much does that cost, right? Yeah,
2: well, of course. (laughs) Like
3: if you're doing all this stuff, a lot of the time, if you're like designing for commercial applications, you have to worry about like.
2: Cost effectiveness as well. Cost effective. Like if it costs (sighs) a thousand times more. We live in a society, alas.
3: If it costs a thousand times more to install, then you could have just run the inefficient thing and just bought the electricity.
2: Because fuck the planet, am I right? Right. Uh. Yeah, but
3: I mean, at the (laughs) same time, when it comes to that cost and that
1: you don't want your parts to be made of diamond and tungsten in order for it to work, you know right exactly <laughs> mm. because yeah. again yeah. it's so there's the cost in terms of the rareness of the materials you're using and everything as well and well you know that comes whatever. back
2: to big big old throwback to the hydrogen episode where like the mm. biggest problem in generating exactly hydrogen right. fuel at the moment is that the most effective catalyst we have is platinum which is yeah you know, <laughs> yeah and so exactly. people are working on that but yeah
3: yeah well the fun thing is that the 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 the, the um these guys, when they I read their paper when they released it, and then mm-hmm. very recently I heard more talk of the same people mm-hmm. commercializing, and I was like, oh my oh. god, you don't I don't feel like I usually hear about that. Yeah, yeah. Um, their big fan, their big thing was like we've discovered this, and also we've made it pretty cheap. We think
2: mm.
0: so we
3: can get it on the yeah. scale of like Is a that's... few dollars per square meter.
2: Okay, of yeah. this
3: material. Um, you know, it doesn't cost a $1,000 per square meter. Mm, mm. Um, I don't know if off the top of my head have numbers on like how much heat it can push. Mm. And then to put that into like realistic terms, like could you cool your house down in mm. winter with Using the this. area of the roof or your roof? Like I don't mm. have I, but I don't have numbers like that on their fucking website. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, it's really I mean, cool. early days. Yeah, sure. Stuff, right? And, you know, there's commercial products are complicated and, yeah. really, and annoying to people like me who just is interested in everything. <laughs> I'm just like, oh, tell me about your commercial. Like, tell me about your IP. I'm so interested. No, yeah, yeah. Uh, mm. who, who are you? <laughs> uh, I don't want to steal it. I don't want to stop your business. Like I just that. want to understand it. Damn it's it, like, fuck. It's Yeah, yeah. Yes, yeah, yeah.
0: um,
3: yeah, so that's a really cool, um, neat little application of you know, um, to cooling. Yeah. Fucking hell, you've blown my mind. I mean, <laughs> the, like in in retrospect, it makes sense because
1: of like all of the real world applications that we've used this stuff for. Like, but just kind of taken it for granted or not not really understood why it works or not even thought about why it works but and how we got to it as well mm, because that's like again you show that shit to and he'll fucking punch you in the face
3: and call you a witch but yeah mm. right that's yeah. and that's that's to me the coolest bit about science is like taking things that like looking at things that we take for granted looking
2: at how it's evolved yeah because like yeah that's the thing science isn't just like this is this is a fact have fun science mm. is the growth and evolution of knowledge yeah and how it's
1: like and how that's gotten everything. us to where we are today to those things that we take for granted and not think about how they mm. work but there's some lack. Like... i don't
2: understand going through the world and not thinking about how things work though right. yeah <laughs> don't relate to that as a state of being i guess Fine. that's
3: why you're a scientist though <laughs> yes <laughs> you've been selected for yeah
2: yeah yeah my yeah. brain was too curious I re- uh, killed a few rats
3: <laughs> jesus <laughs> yeah i really like the idea of going back in time and like plucking someone out of like medieval society or something
0: mm. or,
3: or from different points in time mm. in, in, in human history and then bringing them to today and then being like how would i explain our modern society without just like killing them from shock. Mm, like mm. if we appeared on the sidewalk and they were like, what the fuck yeah. are we standing on?
2: I mean, I'm looking
3: at like the cement and you're like, okay, look down, don't look up. There's like streetlights that are on. There's yeah. cars that are moving around. I like, did a really interesting <laughs>
2: workshop that was like, it was like a science communication workshop. And we did this exercise where it was like, okay, you've, 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 a person from the past has somehow like time traveled to now and they've like landed and they've broken their wrist. How do you convince mm. them to get an x-ray? How do you oh, convince fuck. them that that is a safe and okay and not totally fucked up whack thing to do? Well, you just right. don't um, tell
1: them how x-rays work. You just be like, hey, put your hand here a second. Hey, look, yeah, it's your Yeah, put your, your bones. hand in this
2: big electrical looking contraption that they've never seen. Right. Like they're from a time where like all of this is some very crazy scary shit, the way I think I did it is I was like, I would get an x-ray of my own hand to show that it was safe, and, like, you demonstrate that first, like, you don't necessarily... But, yeah, like, that whole concept Mm. of, like, you take someone from a different time and try and explain things that we take for granted, and it's Mm. like, that's a really big challenge in communication. I'd, uh,
1: I'd give them ice cream and painkillers, so then they're feeling really good about modern world, and they'll just trust anything you throw at them. Yeah, So it's like, one, you've made their pain go away, two, you've made them taste something awesome. So the next... So the next thing <laughs> you showed them... approach to
2: communication, drug them. <laughs> cool, folks. I uh... mean,
1: if it's done in a safe and responsible way that you know right. will be you know medically okay for them and ultimately what and you might do for someone who has broken their wrist, give them painkillers, mm. give them some ice cream. I know I'd want that if I broke my wrist, you know. Mm-hmm. Then they're feeling mm-hmm.
3: good about the future. Show them their uh, bones.
1: Is it, even then, like,
3: they're broken their wrist and you hand them an ice cream. Yeah. And they're like, What? The fuck? Why is, like cold. Cold.
2: <laughs> Why is it cold? Why is it cold? Why is it cold? As we just spoke about, <laughs> and then you link them.
1: This episode of Curiosity Killed the Rat. They can listen to this whole
3: discussion, have an <laughs> yeah. understanding of how refrigeration and like, works. Who's talking? I don't understand. Their how am I blown. getting
2: sounds in my head? <laughs> what is this
3: like? God? Is that? No, is it? Yeah. Is this a de- I'm. Uh, mm, I'm uncomfortable. Yeah. <laughs> right,
2: anyway, right let's we'll uh, skip the podcast just we... go
3: back to the drugs and the ice cream um,
2: before we tumble too far into insanity um, and before I drag us along to listen listener question I just wanted to check if there was anything else that you wanted to cover off that you haven't had a chance to chat about yet but, no I think that's know... all
3: All good heat transfer is pretty cool it's pretty interesting ha ha, it's pretty cool get because, it? because the heat because transfers
2: away yep. I've been holding
1: my tongue this entire episode
3: <laughs> <laughs> Um, yeah, and I, I, I don't know. I think heat transfer is pretty interesting. It, it's often very counterintuitive to it. Mm. Like the modes that it uses are not quite what we think of. Yeah. Um, and there's fun things like um, the ISS has a problem. We think of space as cold, but the International Space Station has a problem with getting too hot. Mm. Because it can't. because space is hot. Anyway, so that's <laughs> a, whole, that's and a like, whole bit that's you not. You can't conduct heat into anything because there's no air around you. Mm. Mm. You have to radiate heat away. And mm. the sun is out there, and the sun's way fucking hotter in space because there's no atmosphere blocking it mm. and, and leaching much of the heat. Anyway, anyway, it's very anyway. interesting.
2: Anyway, I'm gonna drag it. There's so much interesting, and I feel like we could just chat for hours and hours and hours and hours. And every time I'm recording a podcast, I'm like, oh, we need to stop. People can't, <laughs> you know. So. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do it. I'm going to drag us along to the listener question. So if this is your first time listening to the show, we answer a listener question every episode that, you know, if you yourself find yourself with a, a listener question that you would like us to tackle, you can email us curiosityrat at gmail.com is our email address. Um, and today we have a listener question, another one from Shay, which is really interesting. Um, and Shay writes, I would like to know what dust is and where does it come from? Please. And thank you. Which is really interesting. What is mm. dust? Do we have thoughts? I, uh, Matt, I have,
1: I think, look, I think I know what dust is based off, okay. you know, informational videos I watched years ago. Um, mm-hmm. my understanding is it's mostly skin. like just I was dead, hoping
2: you'd say that. Dead, <laughs> dead,
1: dead, dead skin and. The hair and people bits or if not people bits then like if you've got like fabric and shit around just like general decay of cells of objects and living creatures yep. that
3: gets mm. really small and floats into the air and woo, dust yeah so well slash but, but dirt. hang on so from another layperson's perspective mm-hmm. you can if you picture an attic yep like or a basement Yeah. And mm. or like an abandoned factory or something, Yeah, everything's covered in dust. Yes. Even though there's yeah. no people in there.
2: Yeah, exactly. That's what
3: you so think. It's ghost. It's like ghost dust. Ghost dust. <laughs> yes.
2: Okay, no. <laughs> uh, no. Um, but, yeah, but no, exactly. That is a good point. You're, so it's actually a, a very common misconception that dust mm-hmm. is – so I think the misconception or, like, the, th- the numbers that you usually hear is that, like, Dust is 70 to 80% dead skin cells, which is not true. Um, it is absolutely mm. partially dead skin cells. Um, but as as with so many of our listener questions, the answer is it depends. What is dust? Oh, fuck, Where does yeah. it come from? It depends, Shay. It fucking depends. It depends on <laughs> Where what you are in, right? both, mm-hmm. like, on a small scale, like, are you in in a house versus in a warehouse versus out on the street versus in the, you know, in a train station, like, you know, right, all
0: versus the where
2: are you in, in the world? Like, where are you mm. in Spain? Are you in, you know, like, I found, hang on, let me find the actual, yeah, I found a study that was, like. They looked at in Spain, where the land is rich in like carbonate materials, dust contains twenty times as much calcium as the dust in Nigeria, which is geologically quite different. So, like, yeah, Matt, you're absolutely right. Like it's dust dust is everything. Dust is all the things. It's it's the particles of worn down mountains, it's space shit like space dust that's like landed like they call them mm. you know micrometeorites that have like <laughs> landed and whatever like it's pollen it's fibers from the rugs and the clothing it's you know all of the things but like let's let's just start a little bit broader right how like how do you define dust like when we're like what is dust like I guess I what
1: are we something even I may have asking read about is like how you tell the different like what is sand versus silt versus Mm. dust versus i think it's just all down to the size of the particle in question right they've we've set up a bunch of labels for x measurement to x measurement is this and x Mm -hmm. to x is this etc see now
2: the interesting thing is that not quite that is not actually Ah. quite true okay so dust is actually generally defined as particles that become airborne for a significant period of time when unperturbed by sorry, when perturbed by natural forces. So Mm. like it's all about the floatability of the particle. Oh
0: that's it. I keep reading
2: particle, side note, keep reading particle written here in my notes. And because I saw a meme recently that was like, imagine these words pronounced as though you were like ancient Greek or Roman. I keep reading as (laughs) particules instead of particles.
3: Uh, Amazing. The
2: particules no Hmm. Kate um into
3: it why not like
2: sure particularly so as long as we can (laughs) do the flip side
1: of it and learn about the legend of Hercules about Hercules yeah
2: yeah um yeah so okay the definition of of dust is kind of a bit ambiguous though because it's like how long is a significant period of time like what are natural forces like what what do you mean it's just Mm. like a thing that floats right and so some papers, like you know, you, you go, okay, well, let's look at size, right? How big is a dust particle? But so otherwise, you could like, say
1: like feathers are dust, right?
2: Mm. <laughs> mm. But like mm. depending on who you ask, you get different answers. A bird's so dust. a bird's nest be dust? A
1: bird's dust? A birds, birds dust?
2: Birds are not dust. No. Well, they so they, like,
1: they float with natural forces. Do they not? Yeah.
2: Yeah, Yeah. no, well, I'll tell you. So the different, depending on who you ask, there are also on top of that definition size restrictions, but
1: they vary.
2: (laughs) So the International Standardization Organization defines dust as any particle smaller than 75 micrometers in diameter, which is approximately the width of a human hair. Okay. Right. That's pretty reasonable. But then the glossary of atmospheric chemistry terms includes anything up to 100 micrometers. And then there are several papers uh, which I found about dust, which include particles as large as two thousand micrometers, so two millimeters, right? Because it—that's a big ass wide... dust. <laughs> yeah. Well, because if you think about like a two millimeter like fiber of like, yeah, like hair or cotton or whatever, but like thinner mm-hmm. in in diameter, but still up to two millimeters in like length, we still call that dust because that's mm. going to float around, right? Because right the the most important property of a dust particle is not actually its size but something called its settling velocity so that determines like how long this this little thing this little bit this particle this particularly can stay airborne so like for example a little metal ball that is 100 micrometers in diameter right it you you hold it it'll fall to the ground A lot more quickly than that little two millimeter cotton fiber or hair or whatever that I was talking about that would like float on indoor air currents almost indefinitely
1: like you could probably think about iron filings right uh probably Mm. very very small and similar size but they don't float the same way they fall and so we wouldn't necessarily
2: define those as dust so they came up with a solution I I think this is really cool I kind of went down this rabbit hole of like (laughs) What is dust? Dust is everything. Cool. Move on, <laughs> drop mic. No, but like into like how we actually define dust is,
3: mm.
2: I, I don't know. It's like something that you would think is so boring, but I'm so into it. So come on this ride with me.
3: Everything gets more interesting the closer you look. Right? And you're like, oh, it's easy. It's clear. There's yeah. a hard line. No. You zoom in on the hard line. No, it's not. No, the hard line's blurry. Ah, uh, I love it. It's just your resolution that's the problem.
2: So this- I like the. That. The International Standardization Organization that I mentioned before, uh, in order to get around the different sizes and shapes and densities of dust particles, they came up with a way of of calculating what they call the effective diameter. So not necessarily the true diameter of this dust particle, but its effective diameter, which they define as the diameter of a, a hypothetical sphere that has a density of one gram per cubic centimeter, Mm. um, which would have the same terminal velocity in calm air as the particle that we care about. So regardless of the dust particles, actual, you know, geometric size, shape, density, or whatever, if Mm. the dust, if a dust particle had a density of one gram per cubic centimeter, and it was a sphere, what diameter would that sphere have to give it the same terminal? So like falling velocity as
3: the dust particle.
2: So it's a way of like taking all these different size, shape, whatever things and being like, mm. okay, so this, this hair is two millimeters long and this ball bearing is a hundred micrometers. But in terms of let's hypothetically imagine that their density was the same and it was one gram per centimeter cube. What, and the, the shape was the same. They were both spheres. Like what would the diameter of that, you could change the diameter of that sphere to change its velocity, its terminal velocity or its settling velocity. Does that makes sense. Amazing. I know That's Mar- awesome. Mark's following <laughs> along, but Matt, you look confused.
1: I think I think I I think I get it. It makes sense. It's just you had me lost with like a couple of the figures there, but I think I get the concept. It's about finding like
2: mm.
0: the, so ra- you, the the correct you,
1: ratio that that balances the forces, right? Yeah. Mm.
2: Because essentially, there are like, well, let's say three main factors that change this like terminal velocity of a falling particle. Mm. It's yeah. how big it is so the diameter of it like the shape is it a sphere or is it like something pointy or is it something long and floaty um and also the density of it Right. Yes. So if we make all the other playing fields equal, we equal the density. We just say that all of these things, or this hypothetical sphere, has a density of one grab per cubic centimeter. That's the density. Yes. Right. We're also going to level the playing field with shape. We're going to make it a sphere. Mm. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and we already know the terminal velocity because we've got that information on our actual dust particle. So if we mm. level the other playing fields, what diameter would we ha- like? What would we have to make the diameter of this sphere? to get this particular terminal velocity mm. and then yeah. that's what we call the diameter or the effective diameter of this dust particle even if it's not the actual diameter of the thing because it's a different shape or it's a different density
3: yeah right okay. so like you have you have some variables that are really really loose and hard to define like yeah what's the shape of a piece of Cotton fiber, yeah, yeah, like, uh, or a skin had... cell, like yeah, or a it's skin... kind of like so... you're,
1: you're you're taking the center of mass point and building a a, a made up sphere around that point to create an approximation mm. of the mass yeah. of that object. To yeah. create
2: an approximation of size of that size object to give of, to yes. be able to define size in a way that can be applied to things of all different shapes.
3: As, uh, yeah, yeah, a simplification. Oh, yeah, and a, a, a sort of an abstraction of the complex hard to do math with mm. property that's like the fundamental thing that's going on. Mm. We can't do math with that fundamental thing. So yeah. we make a simplification or an abstraction that we can do math with. I love it. Yeah. Really? yeah. Awesome. Yeah. Um, yeah. I'm with you.
2: People are clever. And but like so to come kind of bring it back to the human skin cells point, uh human skin cells have an effective diameter of oh, yeah. about oh, thirty micrometers. So they definitely count as dust. Okay. Um absolutely definitely.
3: Wait, but done do, Oh, yeah, no, yeah, effective diameter, right. Yeah, so as yeah, a spherical, so as a a spherical thing.
2: thing of one gram per cubic centimeter yeah, density... Cool. Um... Yeah, it, they they have an effective diameter of thirty micrometers. Um, definitely dust. And also, we shed over two million dead skin cells an hour, which is about oh. half a billion a day, which oh is about God. um two grams a day of skin that you're shedding, which is about half a kilogram shed per year. Um, we're also making new skin cells at like the same rate, so you're not actually you'd losing hurt, weight right? by losing right. skin. Um, you'd, you'd but like, very the point quickly. is, like absolutely, a big portion of dust. Is dead skin cells but it's not Mm. 70 to 80 um it's actually once again it depends Mm. it depends if you're in an enclosed house with more people do you work in dr frankenstein's lab and you've got body parts lying Mm. around like you know i don't know um are you in like an open space most of our dead skin cells get washed away by like a shower so it's actually yeah dust Mm. is more likely to be pollen or or fibers like or, grit or dirt or from outside. Dirt, yeah. dirt from outside that you've like traipsed in on your feet um or even
1: if you're outside in an outdoor context it's a dry day you drive down a dirt road you kick up mm, dust behind you mm, dust is the floaty mm, shit not the stuff volcanic that stays ash on the ground. potentially know?
2: depending on where you are in the world like bits mm. like quartz or whatever's in the um one additional thing that dust includes that i thought was really cool that i want to quickly just talk about is related to the skin on our skin, we have a whole lot of like tiny little organisms, like bacteria, fungi, mites, dust mites, whatever. Um, like, but yeah, all these organisms that live in our skin, all these like microbes. Right. And so when we shed our skin, we're actually like Mm. also shedding microbes. We actually leave, we shed about one, one million microbes every hour, and we actually leave a cloud of about a one what meter radius around yeah. us of these microbes. And then this, this cloud is so specific to people that they did one study. It's a really cool experiment. They had people which were placed in a, like a clean room for 90 minutes, an hour and a half. And then, and then they left. And then based on that, the scientists were actually able to identify Amazing. who had been in the room, the not fuck? using the DNA, but using like the fingerprint of their microbial cloud. Like they looked at the microbes that were left in the room.
1: I'd like to think of that as a scientifically acceptable explanation for people having auras. <laughs> sure. Absolutely. You know? That's what it is. It's Beautiful.
2: actually just the, the bacteria you like smell their bacteria that that or something. Probably. Yeah. Possibly. Yeah. Like, fuck, let's go with it. You have a very gold, gold like bacteria,
3: bacteria, bacteria here. You know.
2: <laughs> we can also use this, hopefully in the future, right, to solve crimes. Like mm. if, if mm. there's not good DNA left behind or whatever, like you can, if you, if we have a way efficient way of capturing the microbial cloud and also keeping like a database yeah. of everyone's. Yeah. You know microbes like we can. You
3: take the suspect into like your yeah. interrogation room, and then when they leave, you take a sample of the air. Yeah, exactly, and you, and you can sample at the site. Right, Mr. This Anderson has found your bacteria is Like,
2: and this sounds like something out of a TV show, but this is like the future. This is real. This is real yeah. shit. Like, fuck
1: yeah, that's awesome. Dust. It's just who knew it was so but, us. Like, us.
2: Um, And I also read somewhere that like you know in the future we might even be able to pinpoint the origin of dust samples. Mm. Uh, to geographically as well not just to like country like oh spain versus whatever it was nigeria spain versus nigeria but being even down to like a particular neighborhood or a particular house based on just the composition of all the the bits Mm. whether it's biological like you know organisms or skin cells or whatever or whether it's just like you know bits of rock bits of dust bits, bits of uh, carpet you know obviously a carpeted house will have more dust than like a wooden floor or different types of dust yeah. anyway right so
3: so uh, yeah i guess that there's so many different sources of thing mm. there's like you know a thousand different potential sources and yeah you take the ratio of each of one yeah exactly if you're a house with a
1: pet in it versus a house without a pet in it you've got dog yeah. dust mm. or cat dust or fish yeah. dust you know
2: but yeah, Shay, I hope my answer: What is dust and where does it come from? Um, it it depends. depends. It depends. Well, Shay, dust if you is everything, to find but also a, um, not everything. Yeah.
1: If you wanted to find an alternate definition of dust, which actually, coincidentally, I think might be pretty similar to what you just said, Kate, I highly recommend the book trilogy His Dark Materials. Um, <laughs> yeah. They they go a fair bit into dust. Then also just you know a really good book series that I True. actually want to reread now that I mention it. Um, mm. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> awesome. Uh, Dust is everything, but not everything is dust.
2: Dust is everything, but not everything is dust. I I feel like like dust
1: can be everything, but not everything is dust.
2: Dust, yeah. Mm.
3: Birds are not dust. Planes are not dust.
2: Unfortunately. (laughs) Yes, but you can get dust. Dust can come from
3: paragliders. Can get bird dust. Well, the paragliders
2: paragliders are shedding skin cells as they glide through the Uh air. I don't know. Uh, (laughs) Anyway, (laughs) I'm gonna I'm gonna put a pin in in the talk on dust and this episode as a whole. Um, And if you guys, other listeners, fellow listeners, uh, find yourself with questions like that or questions not at all like that, feel free to email them to me, curiosityrat at gmail.com. We tackle one every episode and they're always a lot of fun. So shoot that through. Uh, And if you want to find us on social media, you can at Curiosity Rat. We're on Twitter. We're on Instagram and Curiosity Killed the Rat on Facebook. And yeah, that's right. More promo. We've got a Patreon. We talk about it every episode. It's not a big deal and it's absolutely no pressure. But if you, you know, love what we do, appreciate the hard work we put in and want to help us out a little bit with some spare coins that you have, find us on Patreon, Curiosity Rat. Um, we would be so grateful for anything that you can throw our way. And uh, Mark, if people want to find more of you, can they?
3: Yeah. Uh... Maybe yes. I don't have many socials <laughs> to promote. Uh, you can find me in a hut in ancient Persia, digging a ditch and laying down some animal skins, trying to try and and making make ice. ice. Brilliant. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I'll
2: keep that in mind next time I want to talk to you about refrigeration. Uh, <laughs> but no, in all seriousness, thank you so much for coming on and sharing your knowledge and enthusiasm. I I learnt a lot. Matt, I'm sure you learnt a lot, and I'm sure. Oh, I've learned a
1: shitload. My goodness. Yeah. That's that's awesome. That's awesome. I reckon. I just thought of another way that uh, radiation heat transfer everyday items microwaves right.
0: Mm, oh, of course. course. Gosh. So I reckon if we ever get you
1: back on the show in the future, we should do a deep dive into microwaves. I don't know How if there's enough for an hour-long like? hour hour long, hour long episode on microwaves. but oh, you know,
3: Microwaves are pretty weird. Like, if you've ever microwaved something, it's cold in some parts and it's hot in other parts. Yeah, oh, yeah. this there's, is a whole episode. There's this constructive, is... there we go. constructive interference that happens.
1: Well, we'll get you back on the show then, Mark. That's where people can find you as a future episode of Curiosity yes. called The Wrap yeah, where we talk about microwaves. Keep, coming, keep coming Or back. something else yeah. if you decide there's something else you want to talk about instead. Um, But... No, thank you so much for coming on. It's been a hoot. Yep. Um, yep. Well, and I reckon, Kate, use this opportunity to plug some of your shit outside of rat uh, stuff. Every now and then I make you do it. I reckon now's a good time. Yeah, all right. What's going I, on in your life, Kate?
2: Some, some fun sci-com shit and some sci-not-com shit uh, outside of the <laughs> podcast. I mean, my science, you can, you can find me talking about my science on Twitter. My handle is at HuckstepKate and my Insta handle is at KateHuckstep. Um, and you know, if you're, if you're Melbourne based, I, I do sci gigs around and about. I just recently did a science comedy debate, which was like really fun. Um, anyway, all that sort of shit that I do, I'll post about it on my socials. So if you like hearing my voice and you think that I am maybe kind of funny, I don't know. Uh, you can find me and check me out more check me out more because yeah you know. oh. anyway because <laughs> as we established earlier i am the hottest thing in the room <laughs> and with that thank you to all of you for listening we will catch you on the flip-flop next month peace out homies
0: you kill the kill the rat.